0: Amen. We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest worshiping with us today, we're so glad you're here. And we welcome you this morning. Amen. Once again, I said it just a few minutes ago, but we want to give honor to Brother and Sister Schoenthal and our Spanish-speaking congregation being with us today. Amen. Amen. And then also, we want to welcome those of you that are joining us Via the World Wide Web at TheAntioch.com. We welcome you this morning and we pray that you're blessed by what you see, hear, and feel in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, with you go with me to Galatians chapter, well, chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Praise God. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, Then that which we have preached unto you, let him be a curse. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be a curse. Very few times in Scripture do you find almost the identical sentence being repeated... In back-to-back verses. But verses number 8 and verses number 9, both of them have almost the exact same wording to them, that if any other gospel is preached unto you than what you have received, let him be a curse. And if you would go with me to Romans chapter 1, the book of Romans chapter 1, verse number 16 Romans is the epistle written by Paul to the church in Rome. And verse number 16, he says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Everybody say, from faith to faith. This is not where we're going today, but I want you to, I want you to hear that phrase there. We're not, this is not the, t- the message today, but from faith to faith. Faith is not a one-time occurrence. But we move from faith to faith. We climb the ladder of faith from faith to faith. And as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want to talk to you for a few moments with this subject in our mind. The full gospel. The full gospel. Thank you for standing with such patience. God bless you. You can be seated. If I was to say to you today, what's wrong with the gospel? The obvious answer to that would be, there is nothing wrong with the gospel. The gospel that was preached by the apostles in the beginning of the church is still the great gospel today. But unfortunately, what is being preached and what is being proclaimed by most churches and most Christian literature today is not the gospel of the apostles. It's truth. Whether or not you say amen or not, it's still truth. That's okay. The full gospel can only be realized by looking into the scripture as the scripture was written, and if you give me a moment to teach just for a second, too many people today look at the scripture starting in 2016 and looking backwards. And when I start my quest for scriptural knowledge by beginning now and trying to backtrack to then, I don't get the full, full picture of what the Bible is said. Because the gospel is intended to be understood not from here looking back, but the gospel is, begin, is, is to be understood from let there be light forward. Let me say that again because some of you are not getting that. The Bible is, it, the, the, the gospel is meant to be understand from Genesis to Revelation, not from Revelation to Genesis. You say, well, that's in that kind of semantics preacher? No, it's not. In fact, my, my wife and my mother, and you may have this habit, I don't know. They're the only two people I know that have this habit. My wife and my mother, when they get a magazine, they actually look at it from back to front. Drives me crazy. I don't understand how you do that. But they get a magazine and they, and they look at it from back to front. Now, let's be honest. A catalog, a magazine... That works okay I guess. But I would challenge you to go pick up your favorite book and try to read it from back to front. You pick up a book and you you that you know intimately that you've read multiple times, you know the you know the intricacies of it, you know the every thought of the character, every plot, every storyline, you hand that book to me and I say great, I can't wait to find out what this book is all about and I pick up that book and I read it from back to front and I come to you and I say man it was a little strange story it didn't really make sense And you go well why didn't it make sense well and I start trying to explain to you what I saw in the story and you look at me and go that's not what the book was about at all we're reading the same book but we're reading it from two different directions I know this is simple, folks, but this is how people get in, in, in trouble trying to interpret Scripture correctly. Because people want to just take Genesis and the rest of the Old Testament, cut it out of the Bible, put it on the shelf and say, nah, that's not for us anymore today. That's not for us anymore. That old Genesis and all that Old Testament blood and guts and all that crazy stuff, sacrificing and wandering in the wilderness, all that stuff was for them back then. It's not for us. And when you do that, you take all the context of the gospel out. And it would be no different than me standing here today listening to you talk and take one small fragment of a sentence and blow it up out of proportion. We have a term for that today. It's called the media. They take a small segment of a quote. I'll never forget. Years ago, we were playing basketball. When I was playing basketball here, we had a church school, and uh, our last year, we uh, uh, we 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 started getting a little bit of notoriety. We were a small school. Um, and we were competing with schools that were four, five, six, seven times our size, and not only competing with them, but we were beating them, and they, you know, the, the rumor started to get out that not only were we doing this, but we weren't doing it by recruiting, these were all guys that were a part of our church, that grew up in our church, and so they, the, 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 the local newspaper uh, got wind of this, and, and the reporter began to come to the game, and After the game, he would ask some of us questions. And I'll never forget, he asked me a question one time. And I remember giving this long, great answer with, with all this information. And when it came out to the article, the quote was about four words long. And all the context of the quote was taken out of those four words. And if you did that with something you said today, we could make assumptions about you that would not be true. So when we take things out of Scripture, we're teaching today for a second. Okay, we'll get back into those of you that we will wake the rest of you back up in a minute. But that's why it's so important when interpreting Scripture, how you interpret it. I remember when I was young, I used to do this, I guess, for fun. I don't know if it was for fun. Maybe some of you tried this for serious, and I'm not making fun. But you take your Bible, and obviously you can't do it anymore with an electronic copy. But if you had a, you're old, you have a, 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 a tangible Bible, you'll, you'll put it there, and you fall open. You close your eyes, and you put your finger down on a verse, and you see if that verse is going to speak to you. That's when you're desperate for a word from God. That's how come, some people get there. Get their gospel. They just let the Bible fall open and say, "Well, look, that verse says this," and they miss the whole context of this. I was talking to um, to uh, brother uh, Jared Whittington, um, and he is a. Uh, let me get this correct. He's a part of the office of the architect. Is that a, of the Capitol building? And so his office, their job is to oversee all the construction processes that were going on uh, in uh, in the. Capitol building, the Senate building, the Supreme Court and we were talking and he was telling me that they're in a process right now of renovating, I believe it's the Senate offices and they went to try to repaint the walls to the original color but because for so many years smoking was allowed in the buildings and all other stuff that went on and just the normal wear and tear that the true color of that wall Had been lost somewhere deep into that the recesses of that wall. So they took sections of that wall, and I'm correct on this, they did analysis on those on those through some kind of computer or whatever to determine the original color. So they could paint it back in the original color because of all the pollutants in the building, it had lost its original color. That's how I feel like today about the gospel, truly. There's so many pollutants out there that we have forgotten what the true gospel really is. There's so many voices out there with so many different opinions and they put a website up and they put three or four scriptures and people say, well, that's got to be true because look, it's got scripture and it pollutes the true gospel. And so the gospel is something... That we have to understand in its fullness. And it's got to start in Genesis. It's got to begin when he said, let there be light. And go forward. I wish I could get in that today, but that's not the time or the place. Or even where we're going today. To understand, to interpret the gospel. To understand the gospel. You have to first interpret it correctly. But the word gospel comes from the... Uh, Anglo-Saxon word meaning God's spell or meaning God message or good story. But the transliteration of this term out of the Greek word eulogion and usually is condensed to mean good tidings or good news. But actually, if you go back to the root of the word in the Greek language, There's actually something interesting that you find about the word gospel, and it's this. It has two meanings. It is a present given to one who brought good tidings or a sacrifice offered in thanksgiving for such good tidings having come. So the gospel isn't simply the death burial and resurrection of Jesus which we consider to be the good news but it is also our response to that death burial and resurrection so the full gospel is not just information but participation the full gospel isn't simply something to know but it's something to know and to do I'm in the right church today, right? Praise the Lord. Let me switch back to the, uh, to the other mic with some more oomph to it. So the idea that the gospel is just informative is not truly what, what was trying to be, but trying to be conveyed in the word gospel because the gospel is not only what we know, but the gospel is what we do. Because we understand that he lived, that he died, that he rose again. But simply the knowledge of that, everybody, there seems like nowadays, you go to somebody you tell them, Jesus died for you. Well, I already know that. Well, great. But to know it is one thing, but to participate it and experience it is a whole other thing. To know that Jesus loves you, but to receive that Jesus loves you is completely different. To have knowledge that He saves you from your sin is one thing. But to be able to come out of some water and feel your sins have been washed away is a whole nother thing. So to simply know the gospel isn't good enough, but to know the gospel and to participate in the gospel... It's the fullness of the gospel. Because Paul said this, he used the term in Romans chapter 2, Paul used the term, my gospel. My gospel. For Paul, the gospel wasn't simply a tool of evangelism. For Paul, the gospel wasn't simply information being passed down from generation to generation about what Christ did. But to Paul, the gospel was personal. Because the gospel meant something to him. The gospel was in him. It was a part of his fabric. It was a part of his makeup. It was who he truly was. And when he said the gospel, he didn't say the gospel, but he used the term my gospel. Because to truly take ownership of something and to make it your own and and not only through experience and knowledge but to say you know what this isn't what I do it's who I am. Too many of us today being a Christian is what we do it's not who we are. It's what we profess but we are not that because we Categorize our life between church things and our things. This is not where we're going today, but I'm being pulled down a hole for a second. I gotta help me, Jesus. And we categorize our life into separate things. We've got the church side where we come together and we think Christian, we do, we do uh uh, uh things and we have a mindset, we do this. Do that, But when we leave out of here, a lot of us, that gets put over here and now we step back into our lives, our thinking. And the problem, what happens is for most of us, the frustration is this life is a mess. And we come over to this life to get this life to fix that life. And we bounce back and forth. Trying to make this life perfect by getting a taste of this life and we're trying to make it work and most of the time living like that is miserable. And so when you come to church and someone says, boy, isn't living for God great? You go, no. It's miserable. It's miserable. Why? Because I'm trying to live in two worlds simultaneously. But in order to fix this world, it's not coming into this world. To fix this world is to leave that world and to immerse yourself into this world. And to be like Paul says, Paul said, it is my gospel. My gospel. So for someone to tell you that the gospel is simply about only believing. They're not telling you the full gospel. But more than that, if someone is to tell you that the gospel is simply repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost, that's not the full gospel. Because the gospel is not something that you experience one time and that's it. But the gospel, according to Paul, is something that is in your fabric, in your foundation, in your makeup, that is a continuous, daily Thing. because it is the gospel that saves us. It is the gospel that saves us. And the Bible says what? Today is the day. Of salvation. That means for every person in this room. Whether it's your first time. Or you come here for 30 years. The gospel should be as real to you today. As it was the first time you walked in this place. The gospel is needed in your life today. As much as it was. 30 years ago. Unfortunately today. Too many people take from and add to. The gospel. Paul said, if anyone takes from ads to the gospel, let them be accursed. Because that's not the true gospel. So just for just a moment today, and I'll, I, I'm, I'm hurrying along here. Can we look at some components of the gospel and how they've been changed? But what the trueness of it is. The first thing the gospel starts with is the blood of Jesus the gospel begins with the blood. But nowadays, you can't preach about the blood because it scares people. You can't talk about the blood because it it, it it makes people uncomfortable. But you know what it also does? It scares the devil and makes the devil uncomfortable. Because the Bible says the blood that was put on us in baptism, that blood when you get out of that tank that's right there in the back if you've never experienced that don't leave here today without that because when you get in that water it's not a religious experience but when you get in that water the bible says that when you call on the name of jesus that water becomes the blood that was shed on calvary That when you come out of that water, you're forever marked with the blood of Jesus. And it may not mean a lot to your neighbor. It may not mean a lot to your coworker. It may not be a lot to your family that's not in the church. But when you walk out of there, hell stands up and says, there's another one you better not mess with because they got that blood on them. And I know one thing, we can't mess with the blood. You've heard me preach about it before, but I like it too much. i got to preach about it again. There's this little tiny fish called the Moses soul. This little fish is called the Moses soul. It's just little, almost, it's a little finless fish. He can't really do much. He's at the whim of the currents. He doesn't really have much going on. So the little Moses soul, he just goes along with it. He got, he's just a poor little fish. And big fish come along and see little Moses soul and decide, hmm, Moses looks good for eating today. And they say that when they open up the mouth and they come to get the little Moses soul and eat them, something happens to the big fish. Because the little Moses soul has invisible cloud that surrounds him. That carries a special, I don't know if it's a toxin, whatever it is. So when the big fish shows up to eat the little fish and gets that fish in its mouth and gets a taste of that cloud of toxin, it produces the jaw of the big fish paralyzed where the big fish can't close on the little fish. <laughs> Boy isn't that good I may be in the jaws of death today I may be in the jaws of hell today But I know one thing Hell can't close its mouth on me Because I've got the blood The blood The blood The blood The blood The blood, so I can say, it's not over too, it's over. Why? Not because of me, because as long as he is on the throne. I don't care what your situation looks like today. I don't care how desperate your situation is today. I don't care how messed up your situation appears to to be today. I know one thing, the blood. I know it was the blood, I know it was the blood, I know it was the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died on the cross. And I know it was the blood that saved me. Ha. I'm thankful for the blood, I'm thankful for the blood, I'm thankful for the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died. I wish somebody would get a revelation today. I know it was the blood, I know it was the blood. If the blood scares you, if the blood freaks you out, that's because you don't know the power of the blood. It reaches to the highest mountain, it flows to the lowest valley. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. Ha! Yay! 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 I need to take a few of you and take you back in that tank and rebaptize you, so you can be remembered what this is all about. You've never experienced the baptism of the name of Jesus. You don't even know the half of what you missed. You don't even know the half of it. You don't even understand a a quarter of what you missed. Because the blood. The blood. The blood. Oh, the blood. We're here now. We're going to just stay here for a moment. We may not get past here. But you've heard the story and I'll tell it again for those of you that heard it, but Bishop Wright years ago, when he was in his younger days, he was playing softball. And uh, I believe the story, I'll probably get it wrong. You've got to come back and correct. He can tell you the date, the time, the temperature, the weather, the wind, how many stars were in the sky if the sun was at a 45-degree angle, how many birds were in the sky if there was an airplane, a prop plane, a dust player. He could tell you everything. I'm trying my best to remember the gist of it. But well, basically, the story goes that he was standing, I believe it was on first base. I don't know what it was first base, second base, one base, two base. And uh, the person that was at that hit the ball. And uh, his, his attempt to run to the, I, I don't know, if it was the next base or maybe the base after that. In his attempt to do that, he, uh, he, he extended himself too far. And when he extended himself too far, he separated the muscle that's attached to the, the pelvis. That completely came off the bone and, and tore completely off. And so all the swelling and everything, all the pain and discomfort that comes with that began to take place. And so he went, this was years ago, uh, and, and those of you that don't know this, Bishop Wright was in the Navy. He was a graduate of the Naval Academy, and so he has. Still to this day has access to uh, military medical facilities, and at the time, this was uh, years ago on the academy grounds. They used to have a naval hospital on the academy grounds. I don't think any, it's gone now. I think it may just be a clinic, but at the time, it was a hospital. In fact, my brother was born there at the navy hospital. Anyways, to make a long story short, he goes back. He goes gets an appointment with a with an old navy doctor that had been around for forever. And uh, goes and the doctor examines and confirms, you know, you've got this problem, this condition. And uh, it's separated and whatever. And so he said he was expecting the news to come down from the doctor to tell them, to tell him that he was going to need surgery and that he was going to need extensive all kinds of care and things to be done with that. And the doctor told him, he said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home, put some ice on it, and I want you to rest. I want you just to stay off of it and rest. And it will begin to heal itself. And he, he said his words back to the doctor was, how is that possible? And the doctor said, he said, well, what begins to happen is, he said, your blood that's in your body will actually get down into that wound and where the muscle is and where the, the bone area where it needs to attach, he said the muscle will actually get between those two things. And over time, the muscle will begin to develop. The, the, the blood will begin to develop and actually begin to create things that bring those two back together again. And he said, Whatever your your body needs, your blood can supply. And Bishop Wright looked at him and said, How is that? Possible. and this guy had the greatest response of all time he looked at Bishop Wright and says you're the preacher, you tell me now if God could design your body and your blood to replace or become Whatever your body needs Ooh. how much more can the blood of Jesus be whatever you need it to be today? I don't care how broken. You are. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We're just going to stop right here. I'm just closing the notes. I don't care how broken you are. I don't care how messed up your life is. I don't care if if how in shambles your life is. The blood. The blood. The blood can get into your life and begin to make you Whole again. In fact, the Bible goes as far as to not simply meaning to make you whole, but it's actually to make you new again. It's not simply super gluing things back together, crossing our fingers and hoping it holds, but it actually means that the blood will create a whole new thing in Forgive me for using this again. I've used it before. Forgive me for using it again, but I feel this, someone needs to hear this. Years ago, especially in, the, in biblical times, pottery was a very essential part of life. Most of us nowadays, if we have pottery, it's usually for decoration or something in our house uh, that very rarely used. But obviously, during that period of time, uh, pottery was a very essential part of life. Everything in the house that was used utensil wise was made from some kind of pottery. And most of the time, if that pottery was broken and it was something that was of common use, you would simply discard that pottery and you would go and you would go down to your local Walmart or Home Depot, wherever it was around in Bethlehem or Nazareth, whatever it was. I'm sure they had them there because they have them everywhere now today. You'd get more of your pottery. But. There were some times that the pottery that you had in your house, whether it was a vase or something, held significant either value or significant sentimental value to your family. And in the use of that, there was was nothing, according to what historians say, there there was very few things in the house that were for simple decoration. Everything in a house was To be used. It's not like us today. You come to our house. My wife has got a display shelf. And she's got all kinds of beautiful things up there. That we never use. They're just there to look at. Back then they didn't do that. So if you were using one of these prized possessions. And it broke. And you didn't want to throw it away. The only option you had was to go back to the potter. And ask the potter if he could fix it. Slight problem super glue wouldn't be invented till at least a couple hundred thousand a couple thousand maybe years later after that, so they'd have obeyed to put it back together again I've researched this out, still can't find the exact who figured it out, who's credited finding this out, but what they determined was that if they took the piece of pottery and they simply put the piece back in and then they took some, some wet clay and they tried to put it around that and kind of make a a makeshift covering over that. And then like all pottery, you would take that and you would put it into the fire and it would harden. What they found that with any slight pressure, any slight stress to that object, it would break again right in the same exact spot. So I don't know who figured this out. Someone was quite ingenious to be able to put all this together. But there's this little bug that is similar to a tick, that is found in that part of the world. It it is called a fasuca, F-A-S-U-C-A, I believe that's how you spell it, a fasuca. And it's found on the blood of bulls and uh, on the the backs of bulls and goats. And what someone discovered is if you would get this fasuca once it had taken the blood out, and I I know this is a little gross, but give me a second here. You'd take these bugs and you would collect them off the back of a bull and off the back of a goat and you would put them into a little uh, a, a dish and you would begin to grind those things up and it would, would release all the blood that was inside of them and you would begin to have blood at the bottom of this. Then if you took the dry clay powder and you mixed it with the blood, it would create sort of, for lack of a better term, a blood paste. You would take this blood paste, and then you would take the pottery, you would put the piece back on it again, you would take the blood paste, and you would rub it down over this piece of broken, over the cracks, and you'd rub it in there, and you would make it smooth. And then you would heat it up, and then you would paint it. And what they found is that the properties of the blood, the the properties that were in the blood, when mixed with the clay, was able to get into the cracks of the broken pottery and not simply repair it, but actually make the pottery new again. Where you wouldn't be able to tell the cracks anymore. You wouldn't be able to tell where the broken piece, because that blood paste would cover every broken piece. I want you to picture this with me for a moment. Jesus is on the cross. He's been beaten. Every part of his face is dripping with blood. To make matters worse, he's had a crown of thorns put on his head and it has been driven into his skull. So now he's bleeding from the top of his head and all the points that have been those thorns have entered in. His back had been beaten. To basically, it was raw. He's bleeding out of his back, down the back of his legs. His hands are both nailed to the cross. They're bleeding out. His feet have been nailed. It's also bleeding. They they pierced his side. He's bleeding. But on top of that, to make matters worse, he started bleeding as sweat all the way back in the garden. That's a lot of blood coming out of a human being. He's on that cross. That blood is beginning to soak into that tree, beginning to trickle down the grains of that tree, down the channels that are in that tree. And at the bottom of that cross, right next to where a few Roman soldiers are casting lots to determine which one is going to carry away the prized possession of Christ's clothing. They don't realize that right next to them in that puddle of blood, Something supernatural is taking place. Because you see, the Bible says that you and I are made of dust. We're made from dust. It started from dust. And it doesn't matter how hard you try, how much stuff you inject, you're going to end in dust. That's just the way it is. And the older we get, I guess the more we begin to realize the dust is starting to catch up to us. So the Bible says that we are made from dust. So I want you to get this for just a minute. Boy, we're so far off from where we started. But that's okay. The Holy Ghost is here. You have the eternal blood of the Savior coming down that tree and mixing with the substance of creation. And at the bottom of that cross, something supernatural was taking place. Because you know what? He knew every broken piece. He knew every wound. He knew every hurt. He knew every crack. He knew everything that was done, would be done, to you, and even things you would do to yourself. He saw all of those things. And He even saw the hopelessness And despair that comes when we realize how broken we really are. But he simply wasn't in the fact of repairing us. He wasn't into the business of simply trying Humpty Dumpty set on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And we put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But Humpty Dumpty will never be the way Humpty Dumpty was built. And that's how some of us... Go through life, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, and now we're pieces. And our only hope is somehow, some way, that we'll just be able to glue together enough of a piece of our life together to have some semblance of what could have been. Someone said the other day, I thought it was phenomenal, maybe you've heard this group, the only difference between a goal and a dream is time. Sometimes, though, that's not always the case because for some of us, wholeness, completeness, this hurt, this internal, just deep hurt that's way down in the depth of our soul. That when we wake up in the morning and we open our eyes, we feel the sting of it. When we go to bed at night, our only hope is to close our eyes, to get tired enough that we can forget about it. When we wake up it's there to greet us again and we got this internal just rift wound that digs at us. To know that He saw that in you. He saw your mistakes. He saw everything that would have been done to you. Every slap in the face whether it was Actual or figment, every abusive word that would cut you deeply, every act that would strip you of your human rights, he saw every one of it. I know it's quiet and uncomfortable for someone here today, but the Lord is trying to desperately reach for someone. I would show you my notes if you didn't believe it. I'll show you. We're so far off from that. The power of God is in this place because he's trying to reach somebody today. And I guarantee, I feel so strongly, it's not just the person that's never heard of this. There's some of you here today, you've heard this so many times, but you continue to just push it. Push it away. Push it away. I don't want to face it. I don't want to deal with it. But you don't realize that that rift in your life is creating more things in your life. Holy Ghost is here today. The blood is here today. The gospel is here today. I just quoted the song. It says it reaches to the highest mountain, flows to the lowest valley. It's here today. The blood doesn't come to condemn. The blood comes to forgive. The blood comes to bring wholeness to every wound, every hurt, every broken place. And more than that, you see, it's okay for us to deal with something that was done by others. That's, a, that's one thing. But then we have a whole other side that how do you deal with stuff that you did to yourself? Because let's be honest, well, I, I'm, I'm just in it right now. We're just going to get all deep in it. Put on, your get my scuba gear on. It's getting heavy and deep. Mm. If Brother Murphy hurts me, I can continue. This is Brother Murphy down here, in case you're not running your, no reference. Right, this brother right here in the blue shirt. If he hurts me, most of us then will live our lives separating ourselves from that which hurt us. He sits on that side of the church, I'm on this side of the church. He goes out that door, I'm going out that door. He parks over there, I'm parking over there. He walks in first, I'm walking in last. I'm separating myself. Don't have a relationship with my mother. Don't have a relationship with my father. They hurt me. I don't want anything to do with them. Separate that. Separation does not bring healing, but sometimes separation, it allows us to live as in this kind of make-believe world that we're okay, but we're really not okay. Because we can separate ourselves. But what happens when you're the one? You're the perpetrator. You can't get separated. Doesn't work. And then when you get up in the morning, you stare in that mirror. Guess who's staring back at you? The one who hurts you. How do you deal with that? That's a whole different category. Neither one of them are easy. I'm not saying one's harder than the other. I'm saying they're two different categories. And the... The reality of it is it's just we'll just deal with it, we'll learn to cope with it, we'll learn to get around it, but that doesn't work. But to know today, oh Jesus help our faith right now in Jesus name, but to know today available to every person in this room today is an opportunity to have healing and wholeness. Ha! Oh, God help us. I had problems and I'm, I'm, please, I'm trying to quit, trying to stop. I had a problem with my hip, make a long story short. It was bothering me for years. I just kept pushing it down the road. For circumstances, and I am not like going into detail, but basically I found out that there was a doctor in D.C. that specialized in hips and I was told, you just go see him, just let him check you out. And I go over to him and within 15 minutes of being there, his words were me, you need surgery and you need it now. And I, it was a, I was bummed. I'm, I'm, I'm active. I enjoy doing active things. Uh, uh, I, I enjoy doing a lot of stuff. And so it was very, it was, I was bummed out, man, because he was telling me, look, I, I, I I barely want you walking until surgery. Don't do anything. And, And, and so he could tell I was bummed. And so he said, listen, let me tell you something to help you out. He said, most people, and especially men, okay, let's just call it what it is. Most men, we live with stuff, right? We just... Rawr. Ain't no tears. Ain't no crying. Suck it up. Wipe away them tears. Ain't no cry, no cry. Man up, right? And so we learn to live like this. Nothing hurts us, you know. Blow my leg off, strap it to my back, I'll worry about it later. We'll figure out a way to get there. You, that's how we're men. He said, listen, most men, when they have issues and pain, they just deal with it. He said, you've been doing that. But he said, listen, if you would have done that and you would have come to me probably in only five years from now, I would have told you this. I'd have said, listen, there's nothing I can do for you anymore. Your hip's too far gone. He said, I would have told you I will do whatever I can to inject whatever I need to in your hip to make it better to last, but more than likely we're just going to set you up for a hip replacement. He said, but the fact that you came in with it hurting gave me the opportunity to fix the problem now so that you didn't have to have a full replacement then. And I can save your hip now because you acknowledged the pain that was going on. I was able to save your joint. You can sit there all you want and try to man up or woman up. And just live with it. Grit your teeth the American way. Hard work is the key to success. Grit your teeth. Get up in the morning. Look yourself in the face and say, one more day. I'm going to show the world the strong person I am. But there will come a day when that pain will catch up to you. And you'll cross over to the point it may be too late. And it ain't fun dealing with it. And it's not fun having to stop your life to acknowledge there's a problem. But acknowledging and dealing with it will save your life. And I feel right now in my spirit, there's just something that's just, I mean, literally, it's almost like I feel this just pull out of me. God is so desperate. There's somebody in here today that you are living with it. You're living with it. You're living with it. You're living with it. You're living with it. Oh, I'll deal with it next week, preacher. I'll deal with it next month. Oh, you know, this, it's okay. I've lived with it for this long. I've dealt with this long. You will cross a point where the pain will overmatch your faith and you'll stay in that hole. And it's not fun to acknowledge I'm hurting. It's not easy to acknowledge. I'm in pain, but that acknowledgement becomes the pathway to a miracle. To acknowledge, I need the touch of the Savior can't make you do it today i can't come down to your if i would love to i can feel the holy ghost and i know a couple of you right now that the holy ghost is working but i would not violate you but i wish i could come down right now grab you by the shirt grab you by the arm pull you out of your seat and say, would you give God a chance? And I'd say, God, do it now. And you'd stand there and you'd feel it. But I can't do that because it's got to be something. What is the gospel? It's not simply knowledge, but it's participation. It's one thing to know what God can do, but it's a whole nother thing to experience that God can do it for me. one thing to hear. You know, preacher, that sounds good. I know he can heal me. I know, preacher, that sounds good. I know he can touch me. But no, 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 no. It's a whole other word to give God an opportunity. God, I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly pressing me today. I wish somebody would hear what I'm trying to say. Not me. Not the words of a man. Not the words of a preacher. But you would hear the words of Jesus Christ today. That's pleading for somebody. Not pleading with condemnation. Not pleading with pointing something out Say, you, bad person. But there's a love a compassion that is in this place that's trying to reach down to somebody and say, listen, I see where you're living. I see every tear. I see every hurt. I see every time you lay your head on your pillow and the tears soak again, again, and again, and again every night. And I'm here today because I want to heal you. But you got to let me. 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 You got to let me in. Let me in. The woman in the Bible that had the issue of blood, she was very sick. She stood off to the side, but there came a point in her life where she decided, my sickness can't last any longer. I've got to get to Jesus. And the Bible says she began to press her way for the crowd. She began to press her way through the crowd trying to get to Jesus. Why? Because she was so desperate to be healed. Oh, God, I wish today that God could come right now where you are and in your little perfect world without you having to do anything, he would come. And there's sometimes he does that. But there's other times he says, here's what I'm willing to do. But if there's anybody here today that's willing to take me up on my offer... Is there anybody here today that's willing to take me up on my offer? I'm willing to heal you. I'm willing to change you. I'm willing to to bring healing and hold this your life. But would you do that? Come on. Is anybody, Trish? Would you come? Is anybody would respond to the Holy Ghost right now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Holy Ghost, right now I speak healing. Every heart and every life in this place, Jesus. I speak healing. Would somebody come on? Would somebody respond to the Holy Ghost? I know the Holy Ghost is talking to somebody today. I know somebody's been talked to today Would you obey the Lord right now In the name of Jesus Oh Jesus name Jesus name I know it's not easy to acknowledge I need help I know it's not easy to acknowledge I'm in pain But would somebody today Let the cry of your heart Say Jesus Heal me, heal me, heal me Come on, there's some of you. You need to respond to the Holy Ghost. You need to respond to the Holy Ghost. Oh, heal me, Jesus. Heal me, Jesus. I need you to heal me. I need you to heal me. I need you to heal me. me. I want to be whole. I want to be whole. I want to be whole oh holy ghost right now come on it's not too late it's not too late you can respond right where you are right where you are you can respond it's not too late come on would you be sensitive to someone around you Be used to the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, if you're not praying for yourself, be sensitive for a moment to somebody around you. The Holy Ghost is moving. The Holy Ghost is moving. Would you let Him move on you today?